Good morning. It is Wednesday, March 3rd, and today is going to be our first segment of the compelling storytelling arc uh, in which every Wednesday I will go ahead and either bring somebody in or I will read from one of the chapters of a book that I'm working on and I will go ahead and tell a compelling story. Um, something that you can take away from, something that has a lesson of some sort um, and it differs from the lessonable interviews on Fridays because there's no interview, there's no questions, there's just a life lesson or a compelling um, story that basically runs down uh, whatever someone or something has went through and Hopefully it brings joy uh, to the list, to, to you guys. So uh, I figure what, what better way to start this segment off other than my own story. So I'll go ahead and let's, uh, let's, let's, let's go through a, a little journey, a, a brief excerpt of my life um, since the beginning. Uh, sorry if I didn't mention it, this is your host, Sean Rosen. Um, my full name is actually Sean Michael Rosen, and I was born in Angeles City, Pampanga, Philippines, uh, back in the 90s. And my father was serving in the Air Force at Clark Air Base, and my mother, uh, let's say my mother was a runaway. And so they met up, and boom, I was born. So uh, when I was about one years old, I came down to the United States. Uh, miraculously, my father was able to put everything together. He was always out and about. He, any way that he could, um, should I say, cheat the system, he knew how. And instead of waiting, I don't know, the six to... I don't know, 15 months that it took to to bring anybody over on a marriage visa or whatnot. He was able to do it in half the time. So I came to uh, Florida when I was about one. And then my twin brothers were born, Jason and Derek. And from there, that's basically how my memories begin can't really remember anything in the Philippines when I was born, but I do remember the very, one of my very first memories was um, with my, my wild twin brothers. Goodness, they're like, like little Oompa Loompas. They just rolled around and they cried and they always did everything together. It's just, they were really, they were so cute when they were younger. Um, they somehow locked themselves into a car. They... They were in their diapers, I remember. And they simultaneously sat on the door locks on each end. And they just seemed so proud and they continued rolling in the back seat. And I just remember everybody in Florida trying their best to get these, these little Oompa Loompas out of the car before they burnt up because it was getting hot. Um, Florida heat is no joke when it's humid. And yeah, that's actually one of my earliest memories. Then... Uh, my dad became a taxi cab driver in Vegas, found some job opportunity there, and we moved over to Vegas. And that was when, oh, 
from what I remember, everything kind of went downhill after that. My dad left to the Philippines. My mom stayed here. Ironically, my mom is the Filipino one and she stayed in America and my dad's the white one. Uh, he's Jewish and he stayed in the Philippines. So they just switched roles and they were happy to do so. <sighs> yeah, and so we lived with my mother, my twin brothers and I, and she was an interesting character. She was a fob, fresh off the boat, for those of you who don't know what that means. And, and basically, or what that stands for, well, what, that, what that means is basically you're, you're, you're fresh into another country. Uh, when you're an Asian and you go to America, uh, back in the day you used to go by boat. So that's where the term um, came from, fresh off the boat, because everything's brand new. And a lot of times America was so advanced, they had technology that a lot of these uh, Asian countries didn't have. So when my mom came to Vegas, like she's never seen uh, like, well, she's seen a microwave, but she's never seen one of those broiler microwaves where you can just put your food in and it's like a mini oven. And I remember she tried to cook uh, a whole chicken into one of these tiny little broilers and it was so overstuffed that it actually malfunctioned from all the chicken juice and yeah it was just us four I didn't have any family here uh, I didn't know of my family on my dad's side um, all lived in the east until much later and yeah it, it, it I mean I'm gonna be honest it sucked we, we grew up very poor we were living my mom went on welfare and we survived off of food stamps. We went from ghetto to ghetto. Um, I, the only things that we had, uh, my brothers and I and my mom were, were each other. And so I grew really close to, to Jason and Derek. And I remember a lot of uh, things that we did to, to kill time in the ghettos. We just didn't have any money. So what, did we, what was there to do? Um, we became like, experts at cops and robber tag basically it's like a kid's game where you got one cop who goes around arresting all the robbers who run away and when you tap one of the robbers then they become a cop until you have one person standing uh yeah i would i would usually be that one person standing because you know i was fast when i was younger um we we used to sneak into a lot of pools backyard pools um Usually they were like apartment complexes and you always needed a key to get in, but we always found a way to just dig underneath the gate and just hop into the pool with all that dirt that we, uh, we accumulated from digging under the gate. And, uh, yeah, we, we messed up those pools. They always shut them down because we always got some rocks and sediment into the filters. And, uh, I remember we actually moved into a house once. Uh, so it wasn't ghetto. We just took the O off. It was get because it was still next to uh, uh, the cannery at North Las Vegas. And uh, it, was, it was still pretty bad. But uh, we, we took our, our shenanigans there. And I, I remember uh, one time the twins and I, we, we were with a couple of friends and our cousin, Mustache. I mean, we called him Mustache because uh, when we met back in the ghetto with the O, he actually had a mustache when he was like nine years old, like a full grown thick mustache. And we're like, how did you do that? And he's, he's Hawaiian. And I, 
you know, when you got Hobbit genes, anything's possible with when it comes to hair. And so uh, we, we snuck into this backyard and we went into like the nicest backyard pool ever. And it was at night. And I remember that there was, a, there was some kind of figure standing just watching us as we're playing around in the pool and we're making fart jokes and everything. And we thought that was, I thought that was just a, you know, like a shimmer, maybe a reflection of the moon off the, the water. And um, no, it turned out to be the owner just staring at us, watching us. It, seemed, uh, it turned out that he, uh, he I don't want to make any accusations, but it's, I think he really liked kids and, and not in a good way. And so we all d jumped out of the pool and we jumped over this, uh, this gate. It wasn't even really a gate or a wall. It was like this plastic, uh, like, I don't know how to explain it. It was a plastic wall. And so it made it, it was extremely hard to jump over. And one of our friends was like 6'4", and it was nice because he, he jumped over and he helped everybody up. And this guy like creepily kept walking closer and closer toward us. He's like this older man with white hair. And he had like so many wrinkles on his face. It kind of like zigzagged across and made him look like he was like, like grinning. And uh, I remember my cousin was the last one and he just couldn't jump up. He... I mean, he's he's not big, but he just wasn't athletic either. And so uh, this guy, he kept up, he kept, he crept closer, closer to me. <laughs> I thought we were going to lose our cousin. We, I think he thought he was going to lose his, his anus. And um, we, <laughs> yeah, the, the, our friend, the, the tall one, he just, swooped him over the gate he just took his arm and he's like just grab on man like you're gonna have to owe me later because yeah he was about to mustache was about to lose it all that night so uh yeah we stopped jumping in the pools after that that was just too much like we'd rather have went to jail than deal with a deal with a pedophile so um after that um again i didn't really have any family so uh we had we, we had close friends who became like family for my brothers and i and it wasn't until i got a car when i was about 16 years old kia sophia nice little golden car 94 kia sophia and after we got that it was like wow we can go ahead and make opportunities left and right and so my brothers and i with our close friends we created a heist crew where we excuse me, heist crew. That almost sounded like high school, heist crew. And we'd all get together and we'd go to different stores and we'd do it exactly what the name of our crew was called, a heist crew. We would go and conduct a five finger discount. And that's how we got our clothes. Uh, that's how we, we got the packs of gums and snacks that we would sell at school. Uh, it was great. We had a, it was a crew of, let me see, about five, six people. There was Jason, Derek, there was um, a really cool kid who later became family, Cordell. We had um, EJ, Mario, and then we had this really crazy kid named Ruckus who literally would do the most extreme things and I, I mean, that's a whole nother story later, but we'd all go together and we go to, uh, the malls and they, 
Well, oh yeah, and, and, and I wasn't the crew, but I was the getaway driver because I had the car. And we would all fit, let's see, Jason, Derek, Cordell, Mario, EJ, Ruckus, and I. We'd all fit, seven of us in this tiny little sedan. We'd clown car it everywhere we went. And so we went to the malls, and this is where these guys discovered that if you take one of those pins and you cut it off, it actually squirts black ink on you. But those were the ones that actually were like rectangular shaped. And so when you, you clipped it, it would squirt black ink so that people would know that you, you, know, you just tried to five-finger discount a, uh, a shirt or a pair of pants. But the round ones, back in the day, the round ones didn't have any ink. And so every time they accidentally clipped one of the rectangular ones, they'd get ink. But <laughs> our, friends were, uh, our friends were black, so every time they were accused of having black hands, they just... They called foul. They they called it racism, and immediately these people backed off and they walked out. So every single weekend we'd walk away with I don't know a couple hundred dollars worth of Hollister clothes and Aerosmith and uh, Old Navy. It was great. Uh, we <laughs> one of our um, uh, I'll I'll tell you guys about him. My one of my brothers, Cordell. He um, he he became so. Um, over the top with what you know, his clothes and all of the his bling and everything we just called him swag he was so confident in everything that he did with our heist crew and he um he knew we needed internet at the the ghetto that we were living in we lived on a uh in a ghetto called cheyenne point down on las vegas boulevard in cheyenne basically next to all the yellow Anteras, all the tire shops and everything and so uh we needed internet but we couldn't afford it so uh Swag, Cordell, uh, is so nice. He, uh, we went to Walmart, and uh, we, we pulled one of our, um, let's say, our shenanigans. And I actually got to see it this time because we didn't have the whole crew. It was just Jason, Derek, Cordell, uh, EJ, and I. And so everybody went and got their own things. You know, they, they, they went out and, and grabbed what they needed for the week, you know, to make some 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 extra bucks because well we got free lunch but nobody wanted the free lunch at school my goodness it was like getting served uh you know leftover prison food it wasn't the greatest so swag uh was like you know what i'm gonna do something for the family and uh this is how we got really close he <laughs> he went behind uh an open um uh drawer back in the technology section or the uh, electronic aisle in walmart and, and he actually found a way to get behind one of the glass doors and he snagged a router. And uh, this, this story that I'm about to tell you guys is, is, is wholeheartedly true. It happened. It, it's, I, I can't make this up. This is incredible. Uh, we, we, we went back into the car and we had such a great, um, we, we had such a great snag. We called it snags that everybody got a lot of you know, things to last them for a couple weeks. All Cordell had was this router. He spent his entire 30 minutes at Walmart getting this router. And um, we, we were so touched by it. And we almost all started tearing up. And <laughs> Cordell started crying. And then we started tearing up. And he was basically just saying how happy he was because that was the moment that we realized uh, he was one of us. Cordell is, 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 is one of our brothers. He's family for life. 
And so after we wiped the tears away and uh, we had our little bonding moment, we opened it up. So, because I, you know, I always read the instructions. I wanted to read the instructions on how to set this up because we, <laughs> we didn't have any internet, but we knew our neighbors did. So we were going to, you know, back in the day, uh, this was like 2007, 2006. Wi-Fi passwords were little to none. You could just, as long as you had a router, you can hack onto someone's Wi-Fi. And well, we need internet, so uh, we opened up the box, and I was gonna read the instructions. And I kid you not, inside the box was a CD and a bottle of lube. And I'm like, what's this? You know, we we were like, I think I was 15. Twins were 13, or they were 14. I was 16. Yeah, because I just got my first car. And Cordell is uh, 14. And we're all like, what is this? And EJ, he's, uh, he was the same age, about 14. He's got the, the voice of a 50-year-old man who, who hangs out in the back of barbershops. And he's like, I don't know what this is, but uh, I don't think that's a router <laughs> with his deep voice. And I'm like, yeah, no kidding. And so we just like, we shrugged our shoulders and, you know, we were glad that Cordell spent the entire time trying to get this router. That's the effort was all that mattered. And, you know, we became really, really close after that. Next day, we had a school play and um, uh, Ruckus with his crazy self. He, he was like, he's like Ruckus from um, the Boondocks, but shorter. And he had like deep, sullen yellow eyes. It looked like he was on crack, but he never did any of it. And he just had a mouth that would never, never, never end. It would just go on and on and on. And he thought it'd be a good idea to see what's on the DVD. So he brought a he brought a stolen laptop to 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 this school play the next day. We were all in this theater packed with people. <laughs> he sat in the back, and a lot of times we didn't want to associate ourselves with him because he was just too crazy. And uh, we would sit away from him uh, while he did his own thing. But when it came down to doing our heists, yeah, he was number one because you know he didn't care if he went to jail or not. So he po- he pops open his uh, his school laptop yes i think he jacked one of the, the laptops from school these big clunky things and he popped in the dvd because none of us had a dvd player and um <laughs> i'm telling you this is it's the, one of the craziest things that ever happened uh on the dvd uh as we're watching the play we from from behind us it was cordell ej mario the twins and i and all we hear is <laughs> Everybody is like, what is going on? We all turn around and, um, and Ruckus turns his laptop. Uh, he, 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 he turns it around. He's got these big, giant yellow eyes. Like, you know, looks like he's from Ethiopia and uh, he's grinning. He has this massive grin. And so we look on the screen, you know, like half of the people that are sitting next to us are turning around <laughs> and it's, it's a scene. It's a, it's a porno of the people who stole the router that we stole from Walmart. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, he ended up getting kicked out. And that, that moment alone, like the, the play just wasn't the same for us anymore. So we just went out too. We, yeah, yeah. I don't know where that porno went. 
Um, but I can see, and I'm glad that it disappeared because uh, it wasn't all that great to begin with. Anyways, um, so we continued our heist crew. That was a big chunk of our uh, teenage lives. Um, uh, basically, my life was my brother's. Like, I didn't have anybody else. We didn't have any money to do anything other than what we made from the heist crews. So we found out of a GameStop back in the day before this whole Reddit boom and all that. Uh, we found a, a GameStop that actually bought video games for cash. And we were like, oh, wow, okay, so if we get games, we can sell them for cash. So we went to this Target and it was, uh, it was everybody. We, we all clown carded, uh, clown carded to, to Target. And uh, it was just Ruckus, Mario, and EJ that decided to go in this time. And we all just waited back. And they all, back in the day, you know, they didn't put the games in these plastic cases, these hard plastic cases. What they did is they just put them in a giant box, you know. They were like, they weren't used, but they weren't the greatest games, so they didn't care. I don't think they cared if they got stolen or not. So they put them in this giant box, and some of them were actually good titles. You know, we found like Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic in there uh, in the box once and a couple Mario games. And so Ruckus, EJ, and Mario all grabbed as many games as they could, and they stuffed them in their pants. But on the way out, <laughs> we, can see, we can see all these games fall out of Mario and EJ's pants because they overstuffed them, and they started slipping out. And so uh, Ruckus continued just walking out coolly, you know, nothing slipped. And immediately security guards pulled Mario and EJ uh, aside, and they arrested them. And uh, they, they, they got taken into custody. And Ruckus comes in and, you know, he's crazy. So he's laughing. He's laughing so hard that he didn't get caught because he was expecting to get caught too. He unloads like 20 games from his parachute pants. And these are some great titles. And we're like, you know, all we have are like these giant dollar signs uh, popping up on our faces. And we're like, yeah, we're about to make some money. He goes back in because he's so cocky. And he grabs 20 more games and he comes out with these ginormous robot legs. It looks like he's Voltron, like an Ethiopian Voltron. And he's walking in a robot fashion and he still doesn't get caught. I promise you. And so we, we had no choice but to drive away and turned out we had like 40 games. Um, we all split it up evenly. Mario and EJ were locked up so we didn't, you know, we couldn't split it with them. So we had big shares. We had like 200 bucks a piece. I remember using that money and I bought my first uh, uh, Nintendo DS. It was great. Uh, it was the light too. It was the new one that came out after. Uh, amazing. And so we, we just felt like we were on top of the world. We, uh, we decided to, to take it to the next level and do that to Walmart. But <laughs> this is crazy. This is basically how our, our high school started ending. Uh, it was Derek and Cordell went to Walmart. And it's funny because they only wanted tech decks. They got really heavy into those little finger skateboards. And they got, um, they, they jacked a couple tech decks and they got caught. So my mom came in and she, uh, t she got my brother out because she could prove that she was the mother. But she couldn't get Cordell out even though he was basically our adopted brother. And so we had to leave him there and he had to go to jail that night. Because there was nobody else to, to pick him up. There, it was really hard to get in touch with Cordell's family. And so that night, <laughs> he ended up in the same cell uh, that Ruckus was in. Uh, no, not in Ruckus. 
uh, that Mario and EJ were in that night. Um, this this happened the, like two days after. Yes, so we even though Mario and EJ got caught, we went back to Walmart and tried to do it again two days later. And Ruckus, um, Ruckus went to jail the next day. Um, I forget what it was. I think he finally got caught trying to snag a couple candy bars from Seven Eleven. Went to jail. Saw Cordell there, and he ended up getting out that night. While Cordell was already there for a couple nights, and Mario and EJ finally got out maybe a couple days right after because their mom came to pick him up. Uh, but Cordell stayed there, and Ruckus got out that night because it turned out that the, uh, the uh, not a prison guard, but the probation officer or whatnot was actually Ruckus's uncle and just let him out. <laughs> so Cordell was there for, I don't know, four or five nights. And the only way I got, I got a hold of his, his family was I went to a Sadie's dance and I saw his brother there and I told his brother, hey, Cordell's in jail. Can you please get in touch with your mom and have her get him out? So he finally got out of there maybe a couple nights later. Uh, and to this day, I still feel really bad because he spent the most time in jail because of a tech deck. And so after that, we decided it was time to let the high screw go. You know, we learned our lesson. Everybody but Jason and I, uh, because I was mainly the getaway driver. Everybody gave me a cut because I was the driver. And Jason was just, he's always so smooth. He knows how to get away. Uh, and he knows when to cut his losses when he's ahead. Um, so after the heist crew went down, uh, we had, you know, we just basically stayed home a lot of times. And that's when we started seeing all the different boyfriends that my mother had and there was this one guy he was from El Salvador he was an ex-convict from El Salvador made his way to Vegas and he was so deeply in love with my mom that he did crazy things for her and one day my mom ticked him off and uh, he grabbed my mom by her hair out of a 7-eleven and somebody called the cops on him found out that he was a felon or ex-convict from uh, El Salvador was here illegally and they threw him in jail. But this guy's so crazy for my mom that he actually beat up the two ICE um, workers that were putting him in the cell. And they threw them, he threw the ICE workers into the cell, locked them up and ran away. And so for a brief moment, he had like a couple hours of fame because the entire city was looking for him. And this brilliant idiot came back to the ghetto, jumped in through the window, and said goodbye to my mom before he went back to, I don't know, he probably went on a runaway spree. That's what he had in mind. But my mom is crazy too. So she jumped through the window. I mean, this is a two-story apartment complex. I don't know how they did it. And she followed him to the bus stop. And then they had an argument about what happened that night in 7-Eleven, why he went to prison in the first place. And that huge commotion caused somebody else to call the cops. And that's how he got caught. And then he got deported, and he's probably still in prison in El Salvador to this day. Really cool guy. Just men, any of those that are listening right now, uh, keep the crazy at bay. Leave, leave that up to the ladies. <laughs> so uh, after all that shenanigans, um, my sister came in to, to live with us. From the Philippines she was a fob so 
I had to teach her how to use a toilet and how to use a shower. And there is a, um, there's a thing called lights, you know, with the, with the switch. No, I'm just kidding. None of all that. She came to the, she came to America and, um, yeah, it, she wasn't used to the desert heat. So I remember one time, uh, uh, I had a van because that little Kia Sophia finally gave in and, uh, she, she passed out in the back of the van cause we had no AC. She just wasn't used to the heat. And after that, I just told myself, look, if, if I'm gonna, I guess, add, add this new addition to the family, I have to, uh, I have to get something that's never going to run out of juice. So I got a Prius and I always left the AC on contrary to popular belief. So, uh, after that, um, we kind of grew up a little bit, stopped doing the heist crew. I mean, we did, we stopped that like way before, uh, Glenda came to the country. Uh, Pops created his own heist crew. My, my youngest brother, Brandon, we called him Pops. He created his own heist crew, but after he got caught with his friends, uh, he, it's crazy cause he ended up going to, uh, my school and he and his friends tried to get some of the computers at my school and on the way out uh, they tripped an alarm and there was a cop that was on parole that night and all his friends dropped their computers uh in their hands they were like really nice Macs, i believe except my brother and he continued running with it because he really wanted the computer and he was the one who got caught and he was the one that got sent up to the mountains for solitary confinement or whatnot. And yeah. And after he came out, he just like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I can't be in the mountains by myself. And that's when he, uh, he finally grew out of it. So basically, uh, my, my, my brothers and my sister, we grew up and yeah, we, we all, went our own separate ways. We all have our own place now, but we always still get together, you know, for the holidays and uh, every life event. Uh, Derek got really good at poker, can play a mean game and has won a couple tournaments. Uh, Jason is acting now, makes films. You can find him on YouTube at Jason Rosen. Uh, Swag joined the military and uh, he's working his way up to become uh, Sergeant Major Bitches. Okay, excuse my language, but that's what he wants to be. I don't even think that's a title, but Sergeant Major is. Uh, Pops uh, wants to become a barber. He's studying to be a barber. He wants to become a world-class barber, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get free cuts from him for the rest of my life, I hope. <laughs> and then Glenda, uh, um, she is now studying to become a teacher and um, lives with my niece, Lily. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my life in a nutshell. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I like telling it. And uh, I hope to be doing this every Wednesday. Give you guys some kind of compelling story, whether it be from the mouth of someone else or um, an audiobook version of a chapter um, that I'm writing. So... Uh, without further ado, I hope you guys have a great rest of your hump day, and uh, I will see you guys on Friday.